Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast. I'm your host Manuel Feed. He's Stefan Bienkowski. Stefan, how's it going? Yeah, very well, mate. How are you doing? Very big, uh, big weekend, a big week for you as always. Yeah, um, happy to be home. You can see it in my background. I'm not in a lobby, hotel room, airport, bus, plane, ship. Uh, what's the other <laughs> modes of transportation I've planes, used? <laughs> pl planes, trains, and automobiles. I think train is probably the only one I've not used in the last <laughs> 14 days or so. <laughs> Not many train well. uh, trains in America. <laughs> yeah, But shame. yeah, it's been good to be home. Um, recovering from the World Cup, uh, the World Cup, disappointing World Cup start. Um, I, I always thought, Stefan, having two countries at the World Cup maximizes your chances of winning games, but not, not minimizing them. Um, yeah. But here we are. Um, we did do a big show on German, the German national team um, midweek for the Substack. So if you're interested, if you're looking for German national team news, hmm. you don't need to subscribe. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this rate, we might end up, you might end up be covering Canada longer than you're covering Germany. So, you know, <laughs> I guess people can go follow you for that content. As this, as the as the uh, competition goes on, but our German football content might be wrapping up earlier than mm. expected. But it just means we have more time to do shows like this. I guess we'll be talking about transfer stuff. Yeah, and so though this is the big, big transfer roundup, um, which we're going to do. I guess all the way leading up to the the until the Bundesliga starts again, which is January twentieth. Couldn't come soon enough, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah. I've, This essentially replaces the previous show if you haven't gotten the memo last week. And we have lots to talk about, so we should probably do that right after this break. This episode of the Gegenpressing Podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You will always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And it's your continued source for all sports wagering information. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to promo code BLEAV, B -L -E -A -V, to receive your rewards. That's it. B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. So yeah, starting up first, and this is, I guess, sort of a transfer, Stefan. Hertha BSC are looking to finally get rid of their... I don't want to get lawyered. 
uh, investor, Lars Ventors, so I'm going to be polite. Um, <laughs> he seems to have found a buyer for his 64.7% stake in the club. Remember, only 49.9% of that stake is voting shares, right? In accordance with 50 plus one. If you mm. wondering how 50 plus one works and how his shareholdership and all that kind of stuff works, I did write a pretty big article uh, for the Substack this week that touches on all of that. So for more details, head there. Um, the new investor, if it gets approved, and this is, this is, I think, the big one that people need to keep in mind. It needs to get approved by the club. So the club needs to vote on it. Um, early indication suggests that they're going to waive this through just because they want to get rid of their of Windhorst. But it also needs to get approved by the league. And they think it will get approved easily. I think the only thing that the Bundesliga, the DFL, the Deutsche Fußballliga that runs the first the first and second division in German football, um, the only thing that they might be looking at and say problematic is that seven seven partners, and I'm looking at the list here because they are a multi multiple club multiple club consortium. Um, mm. So which means they own stakes in other football teams. And um, then they own the majority stake. They have minority stakes and a few other ones as well. But they own the majority stakes in Genoa, uh, Serie A club, right? Vasco da Gama in Brazil, uh, Standard Leash in Belgium, and Red Star uh, FC in France. Red Star play in Paris, uh, lower division club there. We both know the DFL, Stefan. We both know the Bundesliga. Um, this is where I looked at it and said, I'm not sure this is as clear-cut as Windhorst and 777 think it is. Um, mm. Especially when you realize that there is other owners that could jump in. Um, Robert Kraft, who owns the New England Patriots and the New England Revolution, which is the MLS team. And then, of course, the Philip Anschutz Group, which also owns multiple teams, but not in Europe. Um, they own a team in Europe, um, which is the Ice Bear in Berlin, the hockey team. So he already has a franchise in, in Berlin, I guess. But this multiple soccer club consortium, I can see the DFL kind of being worried about that. Yeah, maybe. But I guess you can also look at the fact that there's already a major club in German, in the Bundesliga that are already part of a multi-club yeah. ownership method. And that's obviously RB Leipzig. Um it's really interesting. So on the one hand, just to kind of maybe break down the gist of your story, on the one hand, you have Veghorst, not Veghorst, Windhorst. I keep calling him Veghorst. Uh, that'd be a very different story if he was trying to sell Hertha Berlin. Uh, you had Windhorst, who's trying to, his preferable seller are this, you know, this multi-conglomerate club operation. Uh, and then on the other hand, you have a few private investors who'd like to buy them, who you said one of them owns, the, is it the Patriots mm. that he owns? And and then yeah. there's another guy. There's another guy who owns a few clubs in North America. But in terms of soccer or mm. football, he he only owns the ice hockey team. So you've got two separate things here. You've got on the one hand, you've got uh, a, a a business which is already quite well established, quite well integrated into European football. Mm. Who, you know. At face value, you kind of would say, well, there's something. I'm, I'm a lot. I think a lot of fans are quite uneasy with like the. Pro proliferation of these kind of setups in football they're not always to the advantage of the clubs that buy them uh, because mm. they can often find themselves um you know part of a you know a, a, basically a talent production line you know i mean mm. 
you don't even have to go that far away from Germany. You could just hop across the border into Salzburg and you'll see where, you know, that can prove problematic. But I think if if there is a kind of shine or if there's a kind of um positive to Hertha being part of this deal is that if you look at the list of clubs that they already own, I think Hertha would probably go in there as the biggest club. Mm. Uh, you know, definitely the biggest the, the club in the biggest division. Uh, you know, there's I guess there's Genoa there, but I think Hertha would probably have grand ambitions and maybe Genoa would. Uh, so it'd probably be a case that most of the talent in that list of clubs would probably be getting funneled upwards to Hertha rather than Hertha producing players that are sold on to Genoa or anywhere else, you know. So there's that kind of pro, there's the, there's, the, there's the bonus thing there to that. And of course, as I mentioned a minute ago, I'm not sure if the DFL would be able to block this knowing that basically one of their clubs already in the Bundesliga are part of one in RB Leipzig. So that's the tricky thing. But then maybe maybe there would be better hands in a through a private investor, either through one who's already got a lot of experience in North yeah. American football uh, and you don't really get much bigger than the Patriots when it comes to NFL or another investor who already has a foothold in Berlin specifically, knows the city uh, and, you know, maybe has some goodwill among sports fans in the city. Yeah, I think the, the positive about this is, and I, I, this is what the gist of my story was this week, right, is that it is American investment. And so it's um, outside thinking that would come in, um, which I think the Bundesliga needs. They need someone to come in from outside and bring some n- new ideas. Uh, 777 is, is an American investment group. Anschutz is an investment, American investor. Kraft is American investment. I guess that's the the positives about the story, um, if that makes sense, that you will have maybe someone come in and actually trying to modernize what is an old German institution, really old German institution in Hertha. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they call it the Alte Dame, right? Um, the old lady in, in Germany, uh, similar to what Juventus is called in Italy. So I think at the end of the day, um, either way, it's going to be interesting what they're going to do. I know that they're not exactly an investment group that's going to invest a ton of money into a club. They're more of like the long-term kind of investment model. Um, I know that they helped Vasco da Gama come back into into the first division in Brazil. Um, and I think Genoa, they helped stabilizing that. So I, I'm really curious to see what's, what's going to happen there next. And I, I guess this is a developing story, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, maybe my final point is that in Donato Hop from the new president of the DFL, I think they have someone who is quite open um, about bringing in foreign investors into the league and kind of reshuffling it. There's also this idea that they're going to sell a percentage of um, of of the league itself, right, to foreign investors to generate money for the clubs. So, yeah, something to keep an eye on. Um, Stefan, let's talk about actual transfer business. And we've been asked this a lot. Conrad Leimer to Bayern Munich. I guess he's a free agent um, in the summer. He can mm. sign a pre-contract January 1st, right? And this story has kind of gotten cold and hot and cold and hot again. And um, I think with this, I guess we'll find out really soon if Bayern Munich is still going to go all in on him for him. Um, I think the problematic part about Conrad Leimer potentially going to Bayern Munich, what is it going to do to all these guys that are already there? 
Um, mm. Whether it be a Ryan Grafenberg, who, because of going to Bayern Munich, essentially missed out on the World Cup squad, right? Master mm. Sabitzer, um, his Austrian national team colleague, who's, I find, has somewhat resurrected his career at Bayern Munich. But if Konrad Leimer comes in, is there still space for Master Sabitzer? Is there still space for Ryan Grafenberg? Like, there's essentially only two positions. Um, and Leon Goretzka and Kimmich, when they're fit, they hold that central midfield, right? So mm. where would you even play him? It's a really odd one, actually. So there's a big story in, in Sport Build this week saying that he was offered the chance to move to Chelsea. Chelsea, Chelsea reached out to Leipzig and tried to sign him. Uh, and he turned them down and he was simply said, look, I'm moving to Bayern Munich in the summer. I've already made up my decision, mm. made up my mind, rather. That's my final decision. And, you know, that's that. Thanks, but no thanks. And as you said, it's such a weird scenario because so much has changed since, you know, Conrad Leimer was first linked with Bayern Munich. It was almost a certainty that he was going to move to the club in the summer. Uh, one thing or another it broke down. Obviously, you know, RB Leipzig changed over head coaches as well. Um, and it's a lot's changed on a lot of sides. So on the one hand, um, you can start with RB Leipzig. They've got a new head coach in Marco Rosa and I think it's actually quite interesting that since he's come in and since he's kind of shuffled the pack with that squad, uh, he's also kind of changed who plays who plays in midfield for Leipzig. So you've never actually got Haidara and Schlager are actually his go-to central midfielders there. Mm. Um, so you can, you can actually almost see Leipzig moving on from Leimer. Uh, you know, they've already accepted that he's going to move. Uh, maybe Bayern cough up a couple of million pounds to, or euros to sign him in January. Doesn't seem like the end of the world for Leipzig in terms of how their formation works. So that's already one thing that's changed since the summer because last yeah. season, Leimer was a really key player for RB Leipzig. But then you kind of turn to the Bayern Munich situation and since these story, since that story was kind of at its peak, they've obviously signed Marcel Sabitzer, not, not signed him, sorry. He's came into that team and really kind of established himself not as a starter or uh you know as a first team player but he's gone through a full season at the club where he didn't look fit didn't look in form mm. he's kind of managed to turn that around now he's kind of a, he's, he, you can see he's a lot more settled and he's a lot he's far more useful to Nagelsmann from week to week as a central midfielder um and then there's Ryan Gravenberg as you talked about there he was signed as potentially what really considered one of the kind of scoops of the summer for Bayern and the across European football that they were able to get this guy for such little money there was so much back and forth if you can remember the transfer saga about mm. signing him uh, you know Ajax wanted more money blah 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 um, they finally get their man and he has just been this kind of forgotten soul at Bayern Munich to the extent that I'm now wondering if Bayern are still desperate to sign Leimer can you foresee a situation where they sign Leimer thinking Let's just sell Gravenberg in the summer. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder what they're going to do with all these midfielders. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pausing because like, I'm actually wondering what they're going to do with Gravenberg, right? I think we have to remember too that Ryan Gravenberg is just 19. And hmm. or is he, I think he's 20 now, right? But at the time of signing, he was only 19. And he's playing, or supposed to play, in a central role for Bayern Munich. Um, 
in a position that is, as I said earlier in the show, heavily occupied by Joshua Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. And Kimmich is uh, the face of this team, right? And he's not going to give up that position willingly or freely. And so you come in, you're this young player from the Netherlands, um, highly promising, of course. You have all the expectations in the world on you. And then you don't play as much as you maybe expected or maybe as was promised to you. I don't know what the discussions were when the transfer was done, right? I know that Hassan Salihamidzic and uh, Nepe, his his assistant, uh, are quite, quite keen on presenting players like a PowerPoint presentations where they map out their development plan. And I think that it, it would be curious to see what, what was offered and promised um, uh, during, during these presentations. Um, but I think that, you know, him ultimately missing out on the World Cup squad will, will give him some thoughts on his future. And he's essentially, I think, has like half a year to make the squad. Uh, as for Lima, I mean... <sighs> I think I can see Lima being in the same situation and Sabitzer was doing his first year or Gravenberg is now and even in a worse situation because where are you going to put him? You know, Stefan, I'm actually I'm actually kind of surprised that they're chasing this because Lucas Hernandez came out now we're down with a, with a major injury, right? Um, mm. And you almost wonder if Bayern Munich, knowing their abundance in midfield are going to look at that left back position or even center back position and say, well, Benjamin Pavard wants out. Lucas Hernandez um, has an ACL and is probably out for the rest of the season. I almost wonder if they, like, unless Conrad Leimer can play center back or left back, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're going to go for that this winter. I, I could see them maybe do a depth signing in defense instead. Yeah, it does make you think that because Sai Hamovic was asked that this week, wasn't he, about January signings and whether they're going to make a replacement for Hernandez. And of course, he said no. He said, you know, we're happy mm. to kind of just deal with it. And, you know, he came out of the usual party line that it's very hard to find quality in January, which is understandable. But uh, I completely agree with you. The Limer story just baffles me because they need, they need strikers, uh, they need defenders, uh, you know, maybe they need some fullbacks. Maybe they need a goalkeeper, but central midfield is a position that Bayern Munich really don't have to worry about unless they have plans to sell Gravenberg or Sabitzer, which, mm. as things look, stand, look unlikely. Um, you know, I just feel like Sabitzer is Nagelsmann's man. You know, he's 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 a guy. He's just like yeah. a very handy player for him to have. I'd be very surprised if he was happy to let him move on. Uh, and then unless there's something specifically wrong with Gravenberg, in which case, you know, maybe personality-wise he doesn't get on with the head coach or he's not developing as well as they thought he would be and they can move him on at some point. You know, we saw that with Renato Sanchez, for example, um, mm. in the sense that they signed a player based on promise that didn't quite work out. So Bayern sold him with kind of key uh, fees involved, which meant they made their money back in the long run, maybe. But... I'm not suggesting that's really the case per se. I, I, yeah. I'm just pointing out that all these kind of boulders would have to move before Conrad Leimer had a clear shot at picking up game time at Bayern Munich. So really odd, really odd. Uh, and I think another kind of player in that Netherlands squad is far more likely to uh, be of use to Bayern, which is another player who was linked to them wasn't this week, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah. 
Uh, can we talk really quickly one more time about Gravenberg? Because uh, before we go to the other player that's linked to Bayern, <laughs> I just want to really heavily point out that he's still 20 and mm. it takes time for young players like that to develop. And I think, and I'm curious what you think about this before we move on to all these other great topics. Um, the Bundesliga this year is weird that we only had the first, we only have really 15 games before the break, right? We're not even at the halfway point. And so, because we have we have a similar scenario with Matisse Tell, who hasn't played as much maybe as people thought. But I mean, we're only really in, we're not even halfway at the season yet. And there's still lots of games to come once the World Cup is wrapped up. And there's probably still lots of players to get hurt at the World Cup. So I, I almost wonder if we would take, if this is just too early to judge a player like Grafenberg. What do you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I feel like uh, there's a lot of fanfare about him arriving at the club, and I am suspicious as to why he just hasn't been getting any game time. I mean, Matthias Tell has at least been getting on when, you know, Chupa Moting's rested or in lesser games. So he is at least getting starts, and he's actually showing what he can do. Gravenberg just hasn't had an opportunity to do that at all, which is a little suspicious. But as you said, there's no mm. real need for him at the moment and it's because of Bayern's... Uh, obviously, you know, strength and depth in that position. I just feel quite bad for the player because, you know, as you said a moment ago, he was a Netherlands international. He moved to Bayern specifically because if he moved to the Premier League, then he maybe would have got shuffled out of the pack and, you know, not picked up enough game time. And that's ultimately what's happened at Bayern. So I can't imagine the players delighted with how things are going at Bayern Munich at the moment. Um, you know, and I'm not, would certainly not go so far as to say that he has to kind of uh, move to get game time, but. If mm. he's reading the papers at the moment and seeing Conrad Leimer, quite not yeah. not specifically the player himself talking about a move to Bayern, but if that's a done deal, then he's probably on the phone to his agent thinking, if I can't get game time right now at Bayern Munich, what's going to happen when Conrad Leimer, who, by the way, is another favourite of Julian Nagelsmann's, uh, gets into this team? Because he's already got three guys in front of him as things stand at the moment, uh, and it could be four by the time the summer comes around. Mm. Yeah, or earlier. Um, mm. Could be earlier than that if you know if Leipzig decide to cash in. Interesting one to keep an eye on for sure. Um, all right, so I had the opportunity to sit down with uh, Florian Wirtz in St. Louis, Stefan. That interview is now out on um, on Transfermarkt, um, published this morning um, while I was still asleep. So thank you for taking care of that. <laughs> um, but I thought it was really interesting talking to Florian um, in St. Louis, one, one of the first major interviews he's actually given to, to any outlet. And uh, we there's been a lot of rumors about Barcelona. And what was your takeaway from what he said about the Barcelona links, that he was actually not a Barcelona fan, but a Lionel Messi fan? Is this uh, PSG now rubbing their hands? Yeah, so a bit of inside baseball here. We were obviously kind of discussing what to ask him before you sat down with him. And one of the things I suggested was, well, there's this story, there's this quote that he gave when the poor guy was probably still in primary school or, well, elementary yeah. school, I guess, Americans would call it, uh, where he said he was a big Barcelona fan. And it keeps coming up and up again whenever these mm. relentless transfer stories come about. So I was like, maybe ask him what happened there. And as you said, he's, he brought it up and he said, look, I was never a Barcelona fan. I was a Lino Messi fan, which 
I think it's just extremely telling, you know. I mean, maybe he's just trying to be polite and be coy as to, you know, where he could move. Uh, but he seems like a kid who kind of is pretty straightforward when it comes to stuff like this. And it wouldn't surprise yeah. me if since he had, since he did see that, the idea of playing for Barcelona has kind of dropped off a cliff in that regard. Not to mention the fact that, you know, the prominence and the kind of the rise of Gavi and Pedri as outstanding players would obviously kind of block any idea of him maybe moving to Barcelona and kind of playing in his preferred position. But no, I thought it was really interesting that he basically batted away the idea of, because he could have quite happily said, oh, well, yeah, I guess I was a Barca no. fan. And, you know, he maybe... emphatically like, shut it down. He emphatically yeah, exactly, shut yeah, it down. Exactly. So I think that was quite telling. Um, maybe, maybe Real Madrid have been on the phone, you know, but <laughs> who knows? <laughs> Yeah, like he right away said no and shook his hand. I had like I was like I was sitting like right across from him and he was like very emphatically right away and he laughed about it too and he said like no 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 this is not me being a Barcelona fan. I was a Lionel Messi fan. And he has all his shirts, the Argentina shirts, the Barcelona shirts obviously, but I I guess when Messi moved on to PSG, maybe Wirtz became a PSG fan. <laughs> we have to remember how young he still is, right? That's that's the other thing too. Um, so let me ask you I thought this: that was interesting too. He's, he's, he's obviously always linked to Bayern Munich as well. He's yeah. pictured with a Bayern Munich top at some point, which he kind of came out and said, "Well, look, it's just a shirt that I swapped with a player after a game, and I've just trained in it." Mm. But Bayern are the other club he's constantly linked with. Do you think that's something that um, is likely or less likely, or, or do you think it's Premier League or nothing at this point? Yeah. I mean, we also talked to him about Jama Musiala, right? And I think it's quite clear that he really likes Jamal. Um, and I think the way he explained it too is that they're complementary to one another because they're different players, right? In a lot of ways, Jamal is more the elegant kind of Bambi-like player, whereas Florian is more direct um, I mean, in their own right, it's so it's kind of bad that we're being deprived of Florian Wirtz and Musiala at this World Cup tournament because I think they are the equivalent of Gavi and Petri, right? Mm. Um, the 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 ceiling for Wirtz is we 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 talk midweek about how Germany doesn't produce uh, many talents, um, and I guess the silver lining is that they, they because Musiala obviously was produced in England, but the silver lining is that Wirtz exists <laughs> and um, when he does come back from his ACL injury he will be an incredible player um, I, I got to not only sit down with an interview for him but I also got to watch all the training sessions um, when I was in St. Louis and he looked he looked great Stefan he looked really really good he looked like a player that had completely overcome his injury and I think this is another thing that he said in the interviews right and you could see his light, uh, his eyes light up when he was talking about Jamal. And I think that's maybe what Bayern can say is like, look, you can, you and Jamal Musiala could be for Bayern what Gavi and Petri are for Barcelona. You could be the, you could be the centerpiece of a team that is going to go forward for the next decade and not only um, dominate European football, but also leave a big mark on German football. And I, I think that is a good selling point. Um, 
in, in that regard. I know that Leverkusen will want at least 100 million euros. Yeah. So. Which, I mean, my, my understanding has always been that he'll be basically priced out of a move to Bayern Munich if they did want him. Yeah. Uh, unless something very drastic were to happen. And the issue is that they don't really need him because they've already got a Jamal Musiala right there. So, you know, I'm still convinced that a move to the Premier League's most likely one. Um, or maybe Spain, if, you know, you know, maybe he's, he's brushing off the idea of being a Barcelona fan, but I'm sure if they kind of got their act together and had the money, then he would yeah. be interested. But I think because of his injury, it kind of pushes back any potential move at least a season. I don't, I don't think... Be very surprised. I mean, you never know. Maybe he comes back from the winter break and he has a great end to the season, and then everything gets accelerated. But I'd be quite surprised if he did actually move in twenty twenty three. I think twenty twenty four is maybe the most likely move for him. And then who knows who will be top of the pile at that point? Yeah, I think we have to remember how young he is. You, you really see it when you sit across someone like that too. 19 is a very young age. He's, I mean, I've spoken a few times to Jamal Musiala as well, right? And you really realize it too. These, they, they're children. <laughs> they really are still children. Um, great personality. I think he's a very he's very intelligent. And he, I think him, he's also being protected in the right way by the club and by the people surrounding him. And I think the right decision when the time comes will be made. I, I think I'm with you. I don't think it's going to happen in 2023. I think he is a he's a player when he's just recently renewed his contract, right? As well, he's a player who wants to reestablish him in Leverkusen, and I think also um, really work with Javi Alonso. I think that that's another thing that he emphasized in the interview that he he really looks up to Javi Alonso and is impressed by all the stuff that Javi Alonso has won. And I think he sees someone there who can be acting as a role model in his career going forward. And I think that gives Leverkusen sort of an opportunity to say, look, you can work with us. Leverkusen are not out of a European race. They, they only need to like win three or four games. And all of a sudden, they're back in the conversation for maybe making the Europa League next year, right? Mm. Um, so... I think there's still a lot possible there and I'm not sure where a move is going to happen that soon. Um, but it's an interesting one to keep an eye on because I think a lot of clubs are in for, for Florian Wirtz. I think Bayern Munich, obviously, um, Barcelona has been linked. I think Real Madrid um, is a club that always looks for the future and there is a couple of Germans there that might have a word with Florian Wirtz, right? Tony Groß and Antonio Rüdiger um, can sort of take him under his under their respective wings. Um, so it's, I think that is that is one to keep an eye on. Um, I want to update on the Christopher Nkunku story, Stefan. We talked mm. about this last week, and I think within 48 hours, a lot of stuff happened <laughs> after we published. Um, and it does look now that this deal is... Uh, moving towards completion. Mm. Um, talk to some people that are close to it. Um, one source told me that they sense that this deal is all but done. Um, Chelsea have an agreement with Leipzig in place for 70 million euros. They, the deal seems to be firm enough that it has survived um, changing the, the, the change of guards in terms of decision makers at Leipzig. 
Um, so I guess we can sort of maybe soon put a check mark behind this, and it's going to be interesting to see how Leipzig are going to react to all of this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we did. We we also we we talked about whether it's likely to happen or not. And I think one of the main things that I mentioned was that, like Conrad Limer, um, well, not actually like Conrad Limer because Kunku is very much still a starter and a, a star for this Leipzig side. But mm. um, you know they do already have players in that in that in that uh, team who can step into the role for him. I mean, one that we didn't even talk about. I mean. F- just to kind of kick things off, Timo Werner returned to the club this season, and yeah, you know they're, they're slightly different players, but they also kind of play in the same kind of role. When I've actually watched Leipzig in person this season, they've played mm. off each other very well, but they've also, to a large extent, been stepping on each other's toes on the pitch uh, in the way they play. Both players want to play off Andre Silva, so it's not hard to envision a future in which Nkunku leaves the club and Timo Werner just slots straight into that team. Uh, there's obviously the kid from Salzburg who's joined the clubs, Benjamin Sesko in the summer, who he's not very much like Nkunku at all in terms of the style of player he is, but he is another forward. And just to kind of underline that point, Nkunku is now basically a striker or, you know, a number, well, not a number 10, he's more than that, maybe a false nine maybe for uh, Leipzig. So, you know, Sesko joining the club does kind of make up for the goals and assists that he would, they would lose in losing Nkunku. Um, mm. And there's also there's one player who hasn't even featured at all for Leipzig this season because he's been injured, but is already f- off to the races for Spain at the World Cup, and that's Danny Olmo, who you know yeah. we talk a lot about Schobischlei, who um, I think he plays a strong tactical role in this team. He hasn't exactly hit the ground running in terms of goals and assists. I think he can still maybe bring more to that, but I think uh, Marco Rosa likes having him there because tactically he's very kind of disciplined in what he does, but. You know, Rosa hasn't even had an opportunity to really show what he can do with uh, Danny Olmo on that side, who's also a player who's routinely linked with a move away from Leipzig. But I think just because of the way the season's gone, it's unlikely he'll be moving anytime soon. But, you know, he's another exceptional young player who can mm. only do more. So, in terms of firepower, Leipzig already have a huge amount of players there. They have even more coming in the summer. And that all makes me think that. They're already well prepared to move in Kunku on, whether it's in January or in the summer. The I'm not entirely sure. Well, obviously it's a huge player and they'll always miss someone like that, but I think they've I think they're already well covered to let him go, really. To to to, to draw a line under it. I love the fact that you brought on that brought up Danny Olmo, because you're quite right. He plays a pretty big role for Spain, doesn't he? And hmm. for some reason he doesn't do for Leipzig and Sometimes you need to move a piece away to make room for another player to develop and sort of find their own role, right? And hmm. um, that is maybe what Leipzig are doing here. They're saying they might very well look at the squad and say, we have so much firepower and there's other young players that are already coming through the system and this is the best that we're going to get out of Nkunku. Um So this is maybe a good time to to cash in on an asset and move it on. Um, I pray for Christopher and Kunku every day that Chelsea doesn't ruin him. <laughs> Hashtag free havers. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, 
everyone who, who listened to me last week. We got some positive comments about that, though, didn't we? In, in a, among our readers, uh, one sad Chelsea fan basically agreeing with us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a problem because, I mean, it's, it's a genuine problem because Chelsea do seem to continue wasting strikers. You know, Timo Werner's a good example of that. I'd be intrigued to hear if Nkunku has been reaching out to him to ask him for his advice on things at Chelsea. But no, yeah, it does seem to be something of a done deal. Uh, it's been something that's been in the works for a long time now. It'll be interesting to see if they kind of go double or nothing and pick up Guardiola as well in January. We'll have to kind of wait and see in that regard. But yeah. It's it'd be a shame to see him leave the Bundesliga because I think he probably has been one of the most well undoubtedly has been one of the best players, arguably the best player over the last twelve months or so. Um but that's just kind of the nature of football. And yeah, I think it, it's 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 now a deal that suits all parties. And as you mentioned, we're now actually at a point now where Leipzig are maybe gently nudging him out the door because they've got so many players that they'd they'd like to move on to the next level. Uh, you know, even even though guys like Shobislai are getting game time, you can easily see that Nkunku is carrying a lot of the responsibility in that team. And it's about time maybe he does move on and some of these other younger guys start to step up and show what they can do. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Um, okay, finally, Stefan, uh, this is the this falls under the category where he's going to play. This is Cody Gakpo. Um, as we were recording this show, he's uh, starting for the Netherlands, uh, doing a fantastic job for them. Um, scored a beautiful goal um, against Ecuador. I think as we were recording it, it's it's 1-1 at the moment. A left winger who can play center forward and right wing as well. His market value has gone through the roof. He's now worth 45 million euros. Um, Bayern Munich are one of the teams in for him. Mm. Where are they going to play him? <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I actually quite like this rumor, I must be honest with you. Um, yeah, me too. The guys, me too. The guy's, the guy's been linked to a lot of clubs. Um, you know, Manchester United are probably the most prominent ones in England. Uh, because they need a striker. He's been kind of lined up as this potential Ronaldo replacement in January, uh, which would make a lot of sense for Man United uh, because he is almost like a kind of traditional number nine, isn't he? And I think he gets a lot of headlines because he's one of the few players in Europe that's keeping up with Erling Haaland in terms of you know his goal-scoring record. Now, you know, scoring goals in the Eredivisie is a very different task from scoring goals in the Premier League, but he's still a very impressive uh, performance so far this season and the fact that he's scoring goals for the, the Netherlands as well in the World Cup just goes to show that um, you know he's perfectly capable of making a step up I think you know we've talked about Harry Kane moving to Bayern Munich for much of the season you know and why that makes a lot of sense and I actually think this probably makes more sense than Bayern going out of the way to sign Harry Kane because he's a young player he's probably going to cost half as much you know I think Transfer market have got them set. Maybe I don't know what the, what we've got our market value at, Matt. But I know that forty five million. Well, there we go. Then you know, in Holland, they're suggesting. Uh, I think it was Marco Timmer saying that he, he would go for fifty million euros, which to me seems like a really good deal. To be honest with you, uh, if mm. I was Bayern Munich, you know, it suggests to me that they maybe might have to kind of start considering contingency plans for some of the players they do have in that team. 
obviously Chupo Moting's done very well, but you know whether he's willing to sit around for a while, who knows? Um, and then you start wondering about whether Sadio Mane and Thomas Muller, what what happens to them in the future as well. But in terms of the long term, I can see a really nice situation where Gakpo's there, Matthias Tell's there, and that's two young players who, you know, basically sort out your front line for the next what five, six, seven years at least uh, if they can mm. hit the ground running. So. It'd be interesting to see if Bayern do start to muscle their way in here because like Bayern Munich, maybe like, sorry, like Manchester United, like Real Madrid, maybe like Liverpool, who are, although I don't think they're maybe quite there because they just signed a striker, but like Real Madrid and Man United, Bayern are probably sitting there thinking, well, we need to sign a striker at some point, a number nine, since this whole Sadio Mane situation isn't working out as well. Uh, so if we want Gakpo, we might have to move fast and it wouldn't be the first time that they've kind of stepped in at the 11th hour and kind of stolen a player from right underneath Manchester United's nose. He would also be a great Nkunku replacement. <laughs> Leipzig, yeah, possibly. Um, I think, I think, like we just said, I think, I think Leipzig already have their two or three Nkunku replacements, so I think they're good but for that. But what if you can have another one? <laughs> I mean, they have the money now, right? So. No, absolutely. I mean, is this is this what you is this you going to put your neck out the line and say he's moved to Leipzig? No, no, no. I don't radio me. <laughs> I'm just I'm just making a room out of thin air. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's that the profile is really interesting in compare like in, in comparison, right? Uh, because it's not a natural center forward, but someone who can play always on the wing, and so it kind of makes sense in a way. But yeah, I think if Bayern Munich want to step in here and get this done, they're probably getting it done. Um, I think it Bayern Munich is is kind of like Real Madrid in that way, right? If they come calling, then it's really hard for players to turn that down. Yeah. Only only um, thing I would really add to the Bayern Munich thing is I think that kind of move does come with repercussions, you know. There's a very obvious thing. You could you could definitely look at that team and say, look, they don't have a number nine. They haven't properly mm. replaced Robert Lewandowski. So signing a striker makes a lot of sense. But there are kind of ripples that it puts through the squad, which I think are that do cause issues. For a mm. start, Chupo Moting's been getting a lot more game time because Nagelsen's basically accepted that he should be playing with number nine. If they sign a striker in January of the summer, he maybe thinks, okay, it was fun, but it's probably time for me to move on. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe he decides, yeah. I'm happy being a super sub. Fair enough. Uh, as we talked about the hurricane situation, signing number nine accepts that maybe they're not willing to go down the Sadio Mane route. What happens to him? Does he just become another mm-hmm. winger who has to kind of who has to fight it out with Coman and Gnabry, etc.? Mm-hmm. Um, Matthias Tell, does he wonder, look, I was happy playing second fiddle to a more senior player like Lewandowski or Manny, but I'm not as comfortable playing second fiddle to a player that's only, what, two or three years older than me? Uh, yeah. And then finally, there's also Gnabry, who, as we've talked about on the show before, signed a new contract with, I think, the specific understanding that he would be allowed to play a more central or more striker role in that team. And if Bayern are going out there and spending 50 million euros on a number nine, uh, maybe he thinks, right, well, there goes my hopes of finishing my career as a striker at Bayern Munich. So I'm not saying, you know, push comes to shove and someone like Gakpo showing up physically forces a lot of these guys out. But I think it maybe ruffles the feathers of four or five attackers in that squad, which is Mm. something that 
Bayern will probably have to deal with if they want to sign a striker, uh, which looks increasingly likely. Yeah. I mean, that's always the big story. Bayern Munich, right? Someone big comes in and um, it ruffles the feathers. That's just part of FC Hollywood. But um, yeah, Stefan, this has been this has been good. Um, I think I want to wrap it up here. Hmm. Um, as always, the show is brought to you by Bet Online, and um, yeah, make sure to subscribe. Subscribe to the Substack with lots of great stories. You did one on on Germany. We we vented on Germany's performance as well on the podcast, um, and I did something on reforming German football overall as well. Um, anything final that you want to add before we call it a day? Uh, not really, just to always check us out on the social media channels. We're trying to put a lot more stuff out on YouTube and Instagram uh, right now, so go follow those if you use them. And yeah, as always, if, you, if you're interested in subscribing to the show, please give it a look. We have a lot of fun chanter subscribers quite often, especially during the World Cup. Yeah. We've been putting out threads that these guys, that our subscribers can pick up after the Germany games. We'll do another one after the Spain match, so... We'll try and actually maybe stick that out on the website rather than just on the Substack app so people, so all the subscribers can um, jump on and not just the Apple users. Uh, so yeah, if you want to, if you want a community to get involved in, uh, not just with the national team, but Bundesliga as well, do consider subscribing. Uh, and another thing as well is we're considering sticking out um, an option to gift subscriptions to people. So if that's something you think that you'd maybe want to use a Christmas present, give us a shout and let us know and if enough people are interested in gifting subscriptions to their friends or family, uh, we'll definitely stick that out and let people pay for those. So yeah, that's about it really. Awesome stuff. Well, that's it from us this week. Until next week, auf Wiedersehen. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.